0: I began reading tonight in Judges chapter 6, I'll read down through verse 15. The subject of our consideration this evening is the call of Gideon. We'll be examining this and in upcoming messages here on Sunday night for the next three or four Sunday evenings. We'll be looking at the life of Gideon, some of the high points in his life. And Tonight we look at his call, his call to be the judge and deliverer of God's people. Follow with me as we read the narrative in chapter 6, and verse 1. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains, and caves, and strongholds. And so it was, when Israel had sown, that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites, and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth, till thou come into Gaza, and left no substance, sustenance for Israel. Neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came up as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. It came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drave them out from before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice." there came an angel of the Lord and stood unto the oak, which was an Oprah, that pertained unto Joash the Abba Ezrite. And his son Gideon pressed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, Why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Now Israel, in the narrative, has fallen into sin. And as a result, the Lord God of heaven had given them over into the hands of the Midianites, and for seven years they had suffered cruel oppression sort of a warfare going on, much like we have between the current day issue of the Arabs and the Jews in the land of Israel today. For seven years, Israel had been greatly oppressed. They began to cry unto the Lord for deliverance. God heard their cry, and he sent an angel to the man named Gideon. That Gideon might be raised up to become one of the great judges of Israel and a deliverer. In verse 11, the angel finds Gideon in a private situation threshing wheat with a sort of in a private fashion, and he was doing it because of fear of the Midianites. No oxen. Our text said the Midianites had killed all the oxen. That was the normal instrument that they used to thresh the wheat. But he was in a private place there in order with just a hand tool there trying to carry out the threshing of the wheat. And the angel called him and told him to go and to smite the Midianites. And Gideon immediately hesitated and he raises three questions. Three questions of unbelief, and I want us to look at those this evening. They are, if, and why, and where. If the Lord be with us, why is all this befallen us, and where is the God of miracles? God has called Israel, or rather Gideon, to be the deliverer of his people. But Gideon hesitates and raises a question. The first question being, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? If is a dangerous proposition to be in as we stand in our relationship to the Lord. It's an insecure situation. And Peter, when he was in danger of his life from drowning, said to the Lord, If you be the Lord, then bid me to come unto you. And that is a very precarious position to be in, in our Christian experience, of not knowing whether the Lord is with us or not. Let's go to the book of Mark, chapter 9. And here we have the illustration of the demon-possessed boy, whom the Lord will cast the demon out of, but his father ask an if of the Lord Jesus Christ, and our Lord replies right back with an if, as if to give it in the form of a rebuke. Mark the ninth chapter and verse 22. Oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. Obviously, he didn't fully believe who the character of Christ was with whom he was dealing. He was so taken away with his, the health problem of his son that he said, if you have any ability to help, show compassion on us and help us. Now, our Lord puts an if right back to him in verse 23. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. So if is a hypothetical situation. It is a precarious position, and Gideon poses that, that if you want me to deliver you, uh, deliver the people, how can I deliver the people if you are no longer with us? You have forsaken us. Now, Gideon was ignoring that the true cause of the trouble lay in Israel and not in God. That was Gideon's big mistake. He charged the Lord, if you remember the text, with forsaking his people. But he was in error. The Lord had not withdrawn from Israel, but Israel had withdrawn from the Lord. It was their sin of idolatry that had caused God to turn from them. Their sin had become between them and God. Hold your location there, or we've already left it, but go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 59. The 59th chapter of Isaiah. Here is the reason. Where are the problems which we encounter? Where do they come from? It is not to be blamed upon God, but it is to be found in us as God's people. Isaiah 59.1 Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. If it seems like that God is a long way off in your life tonight, then the question ought to be asked, who moved, you or God? Who moved, you or God? And Gideon was foolishly charging God with having forsaken his people. When the problem all the time lay in Israel, Because of their own idolatrous nature and pursuits, and thus God had turned them over to the hands of their enemies to be chastened for these seven years. And finally, when they began to cry unto the Lord and their pride was gone, then the Lord began to move and raise up a deliverer. Psalm chapter 66 and verse 18. What is it that causes the Lord to not hear? Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Again, the same as Isaiah chapter 59. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And this is what had been happening in the land of Israel. If God is going to be communed with, then we must draw nigh unto God, according to James chapter 4 and verse 8. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. That's the encouragement. But the people had been previously warned that evil would come upon them if they should go after false gods. They had been given ample warning of this when God took them into the land. Go back to the book of Exodus chapter 23. Exodus 23 and verse 32. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. Now, God had promised that and had made his mind known many, many years before. They ever went into the land. Go to the book of Joshua. Joshua now delivers them, or is the leader that takes over after Moses and goes in and leads the military campaigns to conquer the land. The 24th chapter of the book of Joshua. He is giving his charge just before he dies and leaves the scene. Here's Joshua's verdict. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt, and consume you after that ye, that he had done you good. Now here's the reason why Israel was in trouble in the days of Gideon. It was not that God had forsaken the people, but the people had turned their back on God, and therefore God let these problems come. Upon them. And Gideon was raising a very essence of a question of unbelief when he said, If you're with us, how can we be in this predicament? Now Gideon was in essence doubting rather than obeying. He was doubting the miracles of which that his fathers had told him about. He had in essence said, where are all the miracles which our fathers told us of? There's sort of a parallel of that in the contemporary church. The church's leaders of our day deny the miraculous nature of Christianity as a whole. But, beloved, listen carefully. To repudiate the miracles of the Bible is to repudiate Christianity itself. Christianity is founded upon a miracle. It's founded upon the miracle of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if Christ was not miraculously born, his mother then stands forever stained with shame. If Christ wasn't a miracle baby, then Mary's reputation stands stained with shame. If Christ were not miraculously born, That is, if he was not begotten by the Father himself, then he himself was an illegitimate child, a bastard. So Christianity was formed upon a miracle. And if that miracle did not take place at the virgin birth, then Jesus was born illegitimate. Again, if Jesus was not miraculously born of the virgin Mary by God the Father then he had some natural father somewhere, and therefore he was but another natural man. And hence Christianity goes down the drain. Why? Because if he were not God, he could not make an atonement to God, for only God can atone to God. Only God can accept an atonement, and that atonement must be of a divine origin. So if Jesus Christ was just a natural-born person, without God the Father as his originator, then he was just a human being and could not offer up an atonement unto God which can save us. Hence, his death was not any atonement at all. And that's what our church leaders would have us to believe today, is that we're just to look to Jesus as a good example, a good moral teacher of ethics. But let's leave out this thing of substitution. Let's leave out this thing of atonement for sin. Let's leave out this idea of having to pacify the wrath of a holy God. Let's leave that out and let's just have the so-called historical Jesus. But again, when you remove the miracles from Christianity, then you repudiate Christianity. And that's in essence what has happened. If Jesus did not miraculously rise from the dead in the third day in the very body in which that he died in, then he did not bring to light immortality and hope in the gospel. And there is no testimony to be found anywhere that he is alive today. My friend, when I get ready to cross the chilly waters of Jordan, I need more than this so-called plasma Jesus that's floating around out here sometime with his spirit. I need a resurrected Christ, one who rose in a body, for I live in a body. God made me a human being in a body. He made his only begotten Son a human being in a body. And that body died upon a cross, was placed in a tomb, and rose the third day from the grave. And if that did not happen, then we have no reliable testimony that Jesus is alive today, and thus he's no different than Buddha or Confucius or any other religious teacher. And of all men, we are most miserable if we just meet here Sunday after Sunday and try to pacify ourselves with a few little problems we have in this life with ethical Christianity. No, we need a Savior who's going to lead us through the chilly waters of Jordan, someone who has conquered death. And that is a miracle. There is no evidence that if Jesus is not alive today, there is no evidence that science can produce that a single human being exists a second after the death of their body. Nobody has ever come back from the grave and told us that there is life on the other side of death. Oh, you say, but Pastor, we have these out-of-body death experiences being recorded. We have all of these things that people go into uh, surgery and they have these experiences. and I can't explain all of that. God did not give me those to make his mind known. He gave me the Bible. And I must go by the Bible and not trust these out-of-the-body experiences. Much of that, physicians are convinced, is just the effects of the mind that it goes through with the stress of surgery or the stress of the trauma of an experience which they go through. But it's not really death. Beloved, when you die, you don't come back to tell anybody about it and there has been no other person who has ever lived who has died that has come back to tell us what's on the other side of death save one and that's Jesus Christ God's only begotten son so if you do away with the miraculous then you do away and repudiate christianity and that's why that i try to be patient try to be kind but my friend There can be very little patience afforded those who deny the miraculous nature of Christianity, but what they are in essence doing is repudiating Christianity. They're saying, I'm ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is the way it ought to be instead. Our Lord Jesus Christ, then, is our great God and Savior. And if he is reduced to but a good man, then his, de- his death becomes a sad and a tragic mistake. Just a sad mistake that happened in the life of a good man. Our Lord was confronted by the Sadducees in his own lifetime, those who denied the miraculous. And he referred to them in this answer in Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. He said, you do err not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. He said you have a two-fold problem. You that call yourself Sadducees. He said your problem is you don't know the Bible and your second problem is you don't know the God of the Bible. You don't know the Scriptures. You're unlearned and unprofound in the study of the scriptures. And secondly, you are ignorant of the power of God. You are in your own minds forming a God who is limited by the few natural laws that you can discern that are in existence. And because you don't see miracles taking place every day, then you assume that God has just established natural laws and he never intervenes in those natural laws. And what that makes God then is a prisoner of his own creation. And my friend, my God, the God of heaven and earth is not a prisoner of his own creation. He is the one who created all things and he is the one who is ruling over all things. Yes, he has established natural laws. But those laws are in operation at his bidding, and he's not a prisoner to the laws which he established. And incidentally, that same thing is true in the realm of the spiritual. Our Lord Jesus Christ can speak and raise the dead if he so pleases to do so. He can speak and raise Lazarus from the dead. That's miraculous. And he can also so speak and raise dead sinners from the graveyard of their own sin and selfishness, if he so pleases, and that is just as miraculous, even more miraculous. So when we deny the supernatural, then we deny the Scriptures, the mind of God, and we deny the God of the Scriptures, who has all power to control whatsoever he has created. Now, Gideon was full of questions. And not faith. Do you find yourself being in his case ever so often? Well, if I'm in the will of God, how can all this be happening to me? Wasn't that what Gideon was saying? Lord, if you're for us, then how can all these things be happening to us? Why are all these things happening to us? Gideon was but asking the same thing, the same spirit that Nicodemus asked when Jesus confronted him with the word of God. And that was, how can what? How can these things be? How how can a man enter into his mother's womb and be born again the second time? How can these things be? But it is actually a repudiation of the Lord's word. It was a limiting of the power of God. That's what Nicodemus was doing. And it's what Gideon was doing here in our text. Now, let's go back and look at the nature of these two other questions. If you be with us is one. Now, what is the answer to that question from the revelation of God's word? The promise he has given to his own people, chosen in Christ, is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We do not look at the circumstances which we are in and try to interpret the purpose of God. Sometimes God's providence may appear to contradict his purpose, but we trust his purpose that he has for sinful men in Christ. And we trust that his promise is, I will never leave you nor forsake you, if the Lord be with us. The second question involves why. Why has all this befallen us? Why has all this come upon me? Why is it upon the whole land, upon the whole of your people? Why, why, why? Do you know, my people, the answer to that? Again, God gives the answer. He had given it beforehand. If you follow after other gods, which are no gods that cannot save, that are but limited gods who have their powers limited and they cannot accomplish what they so please, if you follow after those idols, here is what the consequence is going to bring you. If ever there was a man who probably that we could relate to, who had problems as to ask the question, why has all this befallen us, it would be the patriarch Job. And yet in all of his cases there, after the calamities came, the Bible says in all of this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Quite frequently we are prone to say, why, Lord? Why? Why? If you are with us, why is all this working out the way that it is? And it's really a doubting question. And we are called upon to obey and to serve God, not to question God's actions and his dealings with us. There's a time in which that when we can find no answers... That we have to pull off our shoes and do what? And worship. We have to bow before God. We have to say, There is no answer that I can determine the cause and the effect that's going on here. I leave it in the hands of the Lord. Then again, the third question Where be all His miracles? which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? If you're still with us, why don't you do miracles for us like you did for our relatives and for our people who came before us? What did our Lord Jesus Christ, how would he answer that today?
1: Hmm? Give us a sign
0: We'll see in the coming messages, Gideon was notorious for wanting signs. <laughs> Give me a sign that you're with me. Speak to me. How did our Lord reply when his generation asked for a sign? What was it? An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but there shall no sign be given unto it but that of the prophet Jonas. For as the prophet was in the heart of the great beast three days and three nights, even so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. You want an assurance of a miracle that God is with you? Then you look at the greatest miracle of all that he's ever done in raising his son from the dead and raising you from the graveyard of spiritual death. What greater miracle would you need if you're with us? Why are we in the predicament that we're in? And if you're with us, then where's the evidence of all the miracles? My friend, my answer to that is, in my own life, I stand before you as a testimony of the miracle-working hand of God. My salvation is the greatest miracle in my life, and I can ask for no greater sign or evidence of the presence of God in my life. If God had not reached down and spoken to this sinner who was an atheist dead in trespasses and sins, I'd still be in that condition. And if he's done that great thing for me, then why do I have to have some angel, some bolt of lightning from the sky, or some fleece to try to let me know what God would have with me and out of my life? No, God called Gideon. And Gideon's response was that of doubt rather than of trust. Now, what lesson can we learn from this? It's our place not to ask questions, but to obey God's commands. God said to Gideon, go deliver the people. And Gideon did the same thing that Moses did, if you recall, when God called Moses. He said, Oh, I'm just, I don't have a good voice. (laughs) In responding to the call of God to serve him in whatever capacity he has for you, it is not what we are, but what God is that is to be kept in proper perspective. Not what we can do in the service of God, But what God will do and can do in our life is the question. Oh, but I'm a nobody. But who's God? He is somebody. Oh, but I can do nothing. But God can do everything. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. So don't look upon our circumstances being so low and humble and meek that we could never accomplish anything for God. Look it to the God who calls. He's the object of our faith. And when we do not look there, it will lead us to nothing but doubt in the same way that Gideon did. If the Lord be with us, why are we in this predicament? And if the Lord be with us, then where are all the miracles that He used to work in days past. I'd love to see a great moving of God in our land, wouldn't you? But my friend, let's don't overlook the fact that God is still moving in the way that pleases Him. Let us not despise the day of small beginnings. Let us not overlook with ingratitude that there are some miracles present right here tonight. Human beings which have been transformed out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's own dear Son. We have something that we can pass on to our offspring and say, this is what God has done for me. May He do it for you as well. We'll conclude there tonight and take up from verse 15 next week with added thoughts on the call of Gideon.